This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. So I'm recording this over the weekend and I was just having a conversation with a friend and I started reflecting on how my income's changed over the last few years and I feel it's quite worthwhile. Like we don't necessarily talk about income. It's a bit taboo and if you start sharing it, then um, you, you I guess it controls the income disparity somewhat. So if we're more transparent, you understand there's differences between what other people are paying in the organization. Um and the other thing is success, you know, like people sort of see the tail end of it, you know, they see the nice cars, the money, none of that I actually care about at all. I just want some money to make choices. Um, but they they don't necessarily see the sacrifice over that time. And and I just want to share this, not from a bragging right, um, just, you know, I'm proud of myself, you know, it wasn't easy. So like in 2019, I was reflecting and I was earning $325 a week. Um, when I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. So, you know, if you work it out, it's about $5 an hour. Um, it's after tax. So, you know, like um, I'm being somewhat kind to myself and overstating it, but it's still, it's in that range, you know, around about $5 an hour. And I was trying to generate um, a business and build up my books in a way that um, hadn't really been done before. There wasn't really a precedent. There wasn't someone I could turn to for guidance or support here in New Zealand there were some around the world and I kept slugging away and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I had the talent, you know, I don't know if I had the skills. Like I had my, I had my KiwiSaver in a conservative fund and I wasn't going to buy a house anytime soon. And that was my level of financial know-how before I started this whole thing. And then I wrote a book and then started the podcast and learned from different people and started growing the business through that way. And it took a long time, you know, <laughs> like, I was pumping out 70 pieces of content a week for years and nothing really was coming together and it, it, I was like, could this still work? Like, am I spending my time in the wrong place? But I just had a feeling it was all going to come together and and I was just reflecting now, like my income since 2019 has tripled, which isn't a big thing for, you know, people listening. I know a lot of my clients, you know, they earn a lot more than I do. Um, so it's quite interesting being the advisor in that sense. And, you know, I was earning less than minimum wage and um, a fifth of living wage or whatever that is these days. I don't look, I don't reflect on, but, and, and now it's starting to go on that trajectory, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's increasing at an impressive rate um, because it's starting to compound, you know, the effort that I put in for the last two years in a consistent way is starting to pay dividends now. And, some of you might be in that bottom part of the journey where you're just starting it out and you've got to be pragmatic and you can't just sit there and just twiddle your thumbs and think doing the same thing over and over is going to work. That's the definition of insanity. Um, but if you're strategic and you're smart 
and you put in the yards and you're consistent, eventually it all comes to fruition. So I just, I initially I was going to make this episode about um, a retirement plan and what to look for and all the structures, and I can do another episode on that. Um, but I, I think really it'd be quite useful if I share the journey um, of what it's taken to get this point and where it's going to go. Um, in my humble opinion, because the more and more I do it, the more conviction I have and the more understanding I have from consistency, the better I get at executing. So it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I want to go back to the messy time. So so it started um, it started initially when I was doing insurance. My girlfriend had left me for another man. Um, you know, I my bills had, you know, doubled to, and I was doing commissionally selling, so I didn't have... Um, like I was crying in between appointments, they moved just down the road so I could see, you know, whether every time they're in the house, the light was on, I could see it from the bedroom window and there's just all this other stuff. And, and then my friend tried to kill themselves and, and I was trying to, and then 80% of the support staff got fired and I was just in the pits. Like it was, it was hard. And eventually I was like, all right, let's start again. Let's get something easy. So I got an insurance job. I was okay at it. I mean, I can talk pretty decent and if I'm not in front of people it's less scary so the phone I was probably better on the phone than I am in person and I started making an okay living but I had no purpose like I feel like I had taken a huge step back I was going out all the time just as a means to you know um, get through things because it was just I just needed that pleasure that distraction and and just went on that free spree. I didn't drink or anything, but I was up late and, you know, I was out there fraternizing and trying to fill the hole inside. And, and you know, it was hard. I, I had 40 sick days and um, four months and got a pay rise, which is messed up because I was still hitting the targets when I got there. So they, they couldn't not pay me more. Um, but I, I just wanted to share, you know, like a lot of people might be unsure of their purpose where they're going or know their purpose and not have the courage so i started thinking you know what fuck it let's give it a crack i've got a bit extra money now let's start running events so i started running um events called meaningful money making i didn't know anything about social media at the time i barely used it myself like if i wasn't using it professionally i probably wouldn't even have it apart from messenger or whatsapp um so I didn't know much, so I just started putting money into advertisement to get people to turn up. And I ran a couple of events. I had some uh, Hari Krishna come and talk. I had like uh, this guy in a wheelchair that was a motivational speaker because initially you don't think people are going to say yes. Um, so you just sort of reach out and see what happens. And there was one thing that stuck with me for quite a long time after you know working with people over the age of 65 with their mobility was this idea of independence where they didn't want to burden their family and that could either be health or it could be financial. And I started realizing that, you know, my dream is to be a life coach and help people with the holistic approach and the emotional side of things. But if you don't have your money sorted, you know, you're, it's very hard. Like it, it's tough, you know, you might have to be in a never ending revolving waiting list because, you know, you can't get a new hip or a new knee. Um, you can't do the things you want to do. You can't pursue your purpose and you just feel bogged down and you lose your self-worth. And so the finance part of the life coach puzzle was one I didn't understand, but I wanted to. So I thought, why don't I create events where I attract the audience of speakers, high quality speakers, that they may get clients out of it and it'll be a synergetic relationship where I build a relationship with someone that understands finance. 
I get the opportunity to learn myself. They get the benefit of potential new clients. So I was just doing that out of my pocket. I didn't know it was going to happen. Um, and then, you know, it was a week out before the events. You know, I'm a last-minute planner, as you probably realize with this podcast. And I was like, fuck, I don't know if I want to do this. And friend, like, reached out. He's like, hey, man, you got to get some speakers. Come on. Come on, man. So I was like, all right, how about I just door knock a couple places? So I looked up financial advisors. The first one I went to, they were just called a registered financial advisor, and they said, hey, we can't do these talks. We'd be worried that we're going to step into the personal advice space. Um, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to say no, unfortunately, but I do wish you the best with it because, you know, as a registered financial advisor on the old scheme, it's changed in the last few years, but you weren't allowed to give personalized advice. You could only treat them as a group of people. So like, what someone in their 20s would normally do in a situation like this is this. And that was your way to get around the compliance loopholes. Um, and that's what I saw in the insurance industry is, you know, they pushed the envelope. And it was a, a bit of a cesspool somewhat. Um, so that was the first one. The second one I went into, they said, oh, hey, like they're not here. Um, can you come back? Like you can have a chat with them. So I tried one more. And when I walked in, the receptionist came in and she said, oh, no, 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 he wouldn't be interested in that. And um, he, yeah, because we help retirement clients and the people you've got um, are younger, so he wouldn't be interested. And I said, oh, well, that's all right. Well, how about I just have a seat down, sit down and when he's ready, I can have a chat to him, see what he thinks and yada, yada, yada. Turns out that guy was Greg Moyle, anyone that's listened to the podcast. And uh, he talked to me, he's like, all right, I'll do it. It sounds like a good idea. It's some fun. Like, what, what, who, how many people are coming? I said, oh, I don't know, maybe 80. And uh, 50 turned up, so not bad, you know. Um, you start to learn in events. People sign up but don't show up. So he turned up and he started doing his talk and it went well. And he said, life's too short not to enjoy a good bottle of wine. And um, so I remembered that. And he left his um, whiteboard markers with me as well. So what I did was I brought a bottle of wine and I gave it to him. And uh, I said, thank you. And I, he wasn't there at the time. So then I got a call later and he's like, hey, Ryan, I'd love to have a chat with you. And we had a chat and um, he's like, have you ever thought about working in the industry? And I said, no, like, you know, I, I want to do this and that. And but I never thought about this. And he's like, well, how about how about you give it a crack? You know, I'll pay for your studies. I'll support you. I'll show you everything I know. And um, we'll just go from there. Right. So that, that was unusual, you know, like, um, so I started continuing my insurance work and I get saying, hey, like, you know, this is what I'm doing. I've got this mentor, he's supporting me. Um, and then it got to a point, justifiably so, where, you know, either they use as an excuse because I'm such a very average worker, you know, like if I'm not motivated or passionate, I'm useless. Um, if, I'm, if I am passionate and motivated, I'll be one of the better workers because I just want to put in that graft. And they said, hey, like, I feel like it's a conflict of interest. Um, I don't want you to have a mentorship. Um, they're another advisor. You know, they might provide insurance. Um, so, yeah, we, we can't have that. So I was like, well, I don't want to work here. Walked out. And then, <laughs> so then after that, I don't know if you're enjoying this, but this is fun to reflect on. After that, you know, Greg wasn't in a position to pay me. Um because, you know, he, he's, he's, he's got overheads. Um, I'd have to be an advisor that's producing and bringing in money to support the company. But he said, I've got this other project with Le Quinoa where I feel like they need a social media expert. 
um, to help them like grow the brand. And I was like, I don't know anything about social media. I just paid for a couple of Facebook ads and some people turned up. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll work it out. So he tells me to meet up at this location and it's a family home where one of the founders, Herb, and I'm sitting there and Greg's like, oh yeah, this is Ryan. You know, he's got some experience in social media, yada, yada, yada. And uh, there's this lady, a PR lady, you know, paid lots of money to like create this, um, the, the, the PR for, you know, a lot of major companies. So she puts out these, um, these letters through her connections and, you know, NZ Herald and stuff. And then that creates a bit of, a uh, bit of excitement and it, it builds some brand for the company. So it was a, it was a nonprofit organization, La Quinoa, and Greg had brought this museum over there um, in the hope to remember the amazing story that happened in World War One, where in the, uh, when the World, World War I was about to end, New Zealand saw um, a town, La Quinoa, France, these town people surrounded by moats, these huge 10 to 15 foot walls, and there was 2,000 Germans inside that were actually keeping them hostage and had them there for years at a time. So the New Zealanders thought, okay, let's try and save them. And it was completely all the New Zealanders' job. And like there was no one else that supported them. And they had this rickety ladder that they launched and ran while they're, you know, they'd have covering fire and they try to get up, but then the first ladder breaks and then they try again, one more ladder. And as soon as they get up there, the Germans surrender and there was no civilian life lost. And in a hundred years, the people of Le Quinoa, France have never forgotten. And you can see it in the town. You see it when you talk to them. And they are basically trying to create a museum there to remember and honor that story and all the troops because there's not a permanent memorial on the Western Front. Um, so that's what Greg did. He brought the building, um, got a loan out to buy the building as well, like put a whole lot of graft into it um supported help with the fundraising and then eventually they asked him to leave um and then wiped him off the whole thing like he's no longer a founder now it's fucking bizarre but he still wants the project to go ahead but anyway so now we're this that's the project so i'm sitting there these successful people well-off people doing this you know altruistic work um and and then and then the PR lady turns to me right, and she's like, okay, well, so this is what I'm gonna do. This is the costing, and I'm sure Ryan, you know, you'll you'll have a marketing budget and you'll break down a plan and you'll sort of show how it um show how it's gonna all gonna work out. <laughs> I was like, I'm fucking marketing plan. What's that? Yeah, I was like, mm, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. So Google the shit out of it when I went home, and um presented it, and it was a combination of ad spend and then the cost. Obviously, you know, have me um support them. <laughs> so I just started with Facebook and I created a page and took their um their followers from 20 up to 3300 and funnily enough I started getting a knack for it where um the engagement we had more likes and comments than Tapapa and Tapapa had 90,000 followers and I had no budget it was just organic reach and it started building this community and I was getting paid you know $500 a week to help them it's not a bad gig cuz I started to optimize it and then I was doing my studies alongside while I was trying to, you know, do the social media thing and getting mentored by Greg. And I was like, oh, for fuck, this is, this is a new experience, but it was going well. And I, was like, and I raised money for the charity. And even now that community I built um, still actually contributes consistently, like $100, a few thousand. Each month I see the notifications coming up. And there's a point where I was doing the study because like I haven't, I haven't done it in you know, 10 years, I, I felt stupid. Like I felt like I was going to let them down. 
that's my thing. Like if if I feel like I'm letting someone down, like I get in my head, I feel like I'm going to fail. And, and I was like, hey, Greg, I don't know if I can do this, mate. Like it's really hard. I don't want to let you down. And he, it was in like January of 2019. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And he said, like, look, mate, if you if you fail, I might have been earlier 2018. Um, if you fail, we'll just do it again. I was like, okay, and then rinsed it, finished the study, smoked it, and then now I was like, okay, how do you get your business? How do you build it up? So eventually, they asked me to leave the job. It was some political stuff um, because I was aligned with Greg. They also didn't want me there, and they called it a different reason. But you know, I, I could quietly confident that was the reason but you know maybe we can't speculate we maybe we can't speculate um but so you know i lost that 500 so then greg you know gave me you know baseline and then the commission is how i was going to make the money and i get quite fearful like how he would do things would go out shake some trees he calls it talk to accountants and lawyers and see them over and over and over build a relationship and then they start referring business i think it took him a year to get his first client um, this was back in like 1988 or 1987, straight after the stock market crash. So it's not an easy gig. Uh, so I thought, okay, I get nervous in social settings, but I understand people pretty good. Why don't we explore this marketing idea? Um, and at that time, I didn't know how to video edit. I didn't know how to record audio. I didn't know social media. I didn't, you know, as I say, I just use Messenger and WhatsApp. And then I started I started seeing there's a gap in the market. Like, sure, I could compete with these, you know, middle-aged men that, you know, they've got established relationships with intermediaries. And I build a pretty good rapport with people. They build trust, but I wouldn't have credibility. I'm young. So I like the old analogy. It's better to compete with a great white in the desert than it is in the ocean. So I saw a gap in the market. So I just started going all in. I wrote a book. I wrote it in 17 days, published it, horrible grammar, got my flatmate to edit it, saved it, so now it's salvageable and a decent book. Um, and then I started thinking, well, how can we do this scalable? How can we start creating content at scale while I'm still trying to do the normal things that advisors would do? So that's where the podcast came in. You got long form content that you can edit and break down and you're documenting your journey because I would sit down and make these different videos and only do one like a record 15 but only choose one because i was inauthentic i didn't know how to communicate all this and that and it was just a really inefficient use of my time so i thought okay podcast great idea let's do that and then redistribute the content to whatever channels are free now greg didn't believe in marketing he didn't think it would work um and he thought I should focus on certain things. And, you know, I was trying to focus on those things while doing the marketing because it's just had a feeling, you know, I felt a feeling it would work and nothing happened. You know, my late, my Instagram followers stayed at 300, didn't increase. I even tried with LinkedIn. I tried automated messaging. Um, I'm just going to push the camera over at the same time here while I'm multitasking. Um, but you got, so I, I, I tried different things. You know, I had the automated messaging system, which was Alfred. Um, so I pay a bit of money out of my $325 a week pay and I pay a bit of money to meet Alfred and what it would do is add people that are in the niche that I'd want to build a connection with and then send them a message. The problem with that approach is I built a large audience that wasn't engaged and didn't know me. So then the organic reach that I get from the content on LinkedIn was very low. And only through the time of calling up guests, running events, I started to build up that engagement. 
So don't make that mistake. If you're going to do that, you know, a good approach might be make 100 comments a day with your target audience. I think it's much more effective to befriend the fisherman than it is to hunt every day. So if you befriend an intermediary that has access to hundreds of your clients at once, if you do that in the right way and you build right rapport, then they're going to provide you fish over and over again and you don't have to hunt all the time. You just have to maintain those few relationships. You know, If you've got 10 intermediaries, really good relationship, they trust you. Let's say 10% of their clients um, are in a position where they need your help. So you got 2,000, 10%, 200. You basically got a business there because if you invest, if they say they all invest a million, they probably wouldn't. Um, but that's a substantial business and you get you know between 0.5 and 1.5% to look after those funds under management. So that, that's, that's a decent approach. Um, then the other thing I tried to do was automatic webinars where... Uh, um, a few friends uh, I developed through the networking were um, they we recorded it. The audio wasn't too crash hot. I didn't know how to edit videos, and I overdid the contrast. So she had glowing red hands on these webinars that was already set up, and I treated it like a live event. And you know, it's dishonest. You know, it makes it seem like it's a live event, but it's actually pre-recorded, and the quality wasn't that good. And it just that whole undertone in marketing where it's inauthentic. Um, and it's not building a real connection, I think you need to stay away from it. It's a good rule of thumb that I've learned from, you know, making 70 pieces of content. Then the other approach I tried was like, okay, well, I got this list of these tradies, you know. Um, they're probably, you know, business owners. I could support them. Maybe they need help with KiwiSaver. So I sent them out all an email like, hey, just to let you know, like you can just to cancel this if you want, you just push this button. But I really want to start sharing some insights on finance and trying to help um, take you off the tools so you're not relying solely on your income that you have and you have choices when you retire. So, you know, they all unsubscribed and <laughs> I think, you know, maybe 400 or something stayed just because maybe they didn't know how to click the bottom button and the engagement rate on my newsletter was like next to nothing, you know, 10% or something nuts. Um, so I had, you know, these emails that I just started, I kept doing it every Monday. I do a weekly newsletter and then I create this content on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and the podcast, you know, you pump it out and you get like 20 listeners a week and you're like, oh, for fuck, how are we going to work this out? So then the next thing I started applying the fisherman mindset, um, to the podcast, it's like, okay. Well, why don't I start interviewing guests that already have an established audience that are part of the LinkedIn connection that are built through automation, where one, I'm killing two birds with one stone, a personal connection to increase engagement. Two, they got their own audience that's going to help grow ours. And then it's going to be a value add where they're going to feel indebted to me because I'm interviewing them and showing an interest. I'm creating and editing the content and redistributing it to them and saying, hey, I know you're short on content. You can use this. This is what we've created. And then they share that with their crew and then that starts growing the audience. So that started working. Um, but LinkedIn and Instagram just didn't have good reach. Like I, I just couldn't get more people to see the podcast. So then I started thinking, hmm, well, I know this TikTok idea is just a little crazy. Um, there's no one in there, financial planners. Like there's barely any now that I know of. Like why would I even spend my time going on TikTok when the age demographic's 18 to 24? on average so like it's a waste of time like they're you know they're, they're saving 
Um, but you know, it's hard to monetize that because they might only have a thousand dollars and you're going to make 1% of a thousand dollars a year. Like, you know, it's not going to take you places and it will take a long time. And once you get a certain threshold where, Hey, let's say you got 300 clients and they're a thousand dollars each, and then you only got $300,000 funds under management. Um, or probably be more than I don't. So let's say they invest a thousand, there's 300 of them. Um, so is that, th yeah, it's 300,000. Yeah, and you're making 1% of that. Okay, so you're making fucking 30 grand a year after slaving away on TikTok. So I was like, oh, is this, is this worth it? But then I was thinking, well, what if I just add value and it's going to be useful for them? It's going to be exposure for the guests. And, you know, it's that feel-good factor. And, you know, kids talk to parents and, you know, maybe there's some older people on there. I just didn't know. I just knew that you could get a huge amount of reach at no cost. So I started the TikToking and it sucked, bombed. No one watched my videos. I was like, oh, fuck. What am I doing wrong? So then I was like, oh, why don't I start events? You know, why don't, like, I was doing that before. That would be a good excuse. No one wants to listen to finance because I tried to run one finance event and five people turned up. And I was like, okay. So, and I spent money on the marketing, whatever little money I had, and like five people turned up. I was like, okay, fuck. People don't want to listen to finance. Okay, moving on. So I started running events based on business and having business talks, you know, accountants, motivational speakers. And I started running these events and I was getting, you know, 20, 30 people. When you don't have a marketing spend, you have to leverage the free stuff, which was like the meetup groups. You could invite people on LinkedIn. So I started getting a bit of connections through that. And then I was interviewing guests, um, you know, three every fortnight, because if you do three guests a fortnight, that means you're one episode ahead because you're doing weekly guest interviews um, and distributing on your podcast each Monday. So you're always one ahead. So I started building a network of people, um, which was cool. And they every time I call people, they just say yes, like 90% of them. Like, oh yeah, I'd love to talk about myself. Oh yeah, I'd love to get content. Oh, and you're not trying to sell me anything? You just well, like, want to listen? No brainer. And so then I, then I started understanding the TikTok and it started working a little better. And then so I started using the TikTok to grow the podcast and the guests to grow the podcast. And then the podcast started taking off. Like just so many people started listening to it and it became, you know, it ranked somewhere between five and top hundred of podcasts and business in New Zealand. And it's usually in the top 10 um, or top 15 of investing in New Zealand and no marketing budget apart from Sales Navigator, which is $80 a week you pay for, $80 a month that you pay for um, LinkedIn where you can get better filtering tools to find the people you want to talk to. But even then, after all that work and all these people listening and TikTok working a little better, clients weren't reaching out. I, I didn't understand that. I don't understand why. So we made a little adjustment by including a little ad um, in the podcast that says don't let money stand between you and a better financial future because I imagine a lot of people had the pain point of thinking, hey, I don't have enough money to do this. Like a lot of financial planners, they won't even see someone unless they have at least half a million, that sort of thing. Like the Milfords of the world, they might do stuff like that. So I, um, I wanted to solve that objection. Uh, so I included it and that started leading to people reaching out. And then with selling, you want to minimize the close, the friction. You want to make it as easy as possible. So I started using Calendly, which is an automatic booking tool. They start using that, and it means they can find a perfect time that works for both of us and book it in. So that, that started churning away. Um, but I made the mistake. If I was to look back, 
I should have used my understanding of marketing and the podcast structure to build friendships with fishermen. And that's when I started the podcast Accounting for the Now. I stopped it um, of late because of COVID and because the quality of the content wasn't good enough. I had different mics because I was using my friend's mic from NZ Audio Editors to get the quality and he needed that for other ventures. So he's just doing me a favor and helping out the podcast. Um, so now I've got that sort of, but the idea is instead of calling up an accountant and, and I'd, I'd call them and I'd do it and I'd meet them and it felt so disgenuine. I didn't even want to talk to them. Like I didn't like, I just wanted to eventually get enough rapport to get clients from them. And it was a horrible dynamic and I didn't enjoy it. And I felt more comfortable if I could give them value. So what I do now with the accounting for the now is I reach out to the accountants and I call them and say, hey, like, I'd love to have you on the podcast. I'd love to give you this content. And then that's an excuse for a relationship because one, they recorded me. Two, I call them up to let them know, hey, I've created some videos, you can use them. And then three, you've got another excuse saying, hey, this is how well it performed. How are you being to be good to catch up again? And that's a completely different dynamic using my talent and the whole idea of competing with a great white in the desert instead of the ocean um, to get ahead. And, you know, that that's what I would have done differently if I reflect on it. But now, now because of the consistency of 70 pieces of content a week, getting better at the craft and understanding what content performs well and what doesn't, um, it means now I've got a brand that makes people want to reach out um, and is continually growing um, at like, like an insane rate. Over the last year, our podcast has grown by 743%. In the last three months, I made a slight change with TikTok, which is basically using the trend alert. If you go on TikTok, you're a business owner or influencer, you search trend alert or trend warning, filter it to the next uh, for this week and have a look. And there will be these people that tell you, hey, this trend is about to take off or hey, you should try this trend. And then I choose one that makes sense to me and then I frame it in a financial way and then I reference an episode of the podcast in the TikTok that answers the questions more in depth. So episode 202 um, talks about cryptocurrency. You should go check that out, yada, yada, yada. And that just over the last two months just took the podcast to another level. And if I keep that up, it, the trajectory is going to get insane. Um so it's constantly tweaking and rethinking it and, and the, the brand is built, in, built to a point now where it's going to sustain us. There may be points maybe I get blocked on social media and i got to start again, but I've got connections. I focus on the clients, try and add as much value as I can, and then they start referring me business. Um, <clears throat> so there's, there's key things that are protecting us now. Um, but I just, I just wanted to, to share that, you know, like initially when I started, it didn't seem possible. I was losing money. I had an overdraft. I was, you know, making three hundred and twenty-five dollars a week, and then I pivoted these different avenues for income. You know, doing the marketing management um, for something I knew nothing about, um, and just chipping away and being mindful and conscious and smart about the choices that you make. And then eventually, it all started coming together, and the trajectory just keeps going up. My confidence and my comfortability with explaining things to people. And also my ability and my uh, credibility is improving where I genuinely feel like I can make a significant impact on people's lives and it's only going to improve more. And now the next avenue that I want to go down is like at some point we're going to have too many leads and too many people reaching out that I won't be able to service them all. So we're going to need staff. 
and we're going to need system and process um, so we can provide consistent results for our clients. So that's where the idea of money skills came up as one, a frustration that I feel like everyone should have the opportunity to learn what I know because three years ago I didn't know it and if I knew it 10 years ago, I would be in a pretty good position right now. Um, and the other piece is like, okay, what if I can create a platform where everyone can go to learn everything they need to know about finance and also give an opportunity for instructors, different financial advisors to get their own opportunities to generate leads because client acquisition is the main reason why a lot of financial planners fail. And then also I can have financial planning courses. So I can, one, teach other financial advisors how to build up their books and how to accumulate um, accumulate <coughs> new clients as well as, um, as well as how to service them and sort of the structure and also the back-end systems and make the industry sound sexy. So either existing client, existing financial advisors that are aging and there's not many young people in the industry might sell the client base to me. Um, you might have new, new advisors that are reaching out because they didn't even consider it as something that they would enjoy. But if you explain it in the right way, a lot of people are going to enjoy financial planning because you're basically solving people's life problems and supporting them along the way where a lot of the conversations aren't finance related. It's around life and, and, and just being a trusted advisor in their, in their core. So that's the next journey. That's where I see it going. So if it will, one, help us find more financial planners. Two, it's going to be an opportunity for people to have high-quality advice. And three, it's going to create more of a, I guess, a, a perception that, you know, that giving arm where people see us as the thought leaders in the financial space because <clears throat> right now my competitors are sleeping. I can potentially capture the market if I keep sustaining um, the way I've been doing things up until now and get more support from others because all the content, all the videos, all the recording, all the f marketing insight, I've just sort of done it all myself, um, which, you know, it's not like it's hard to compete with us if it's all just bottlenecked to me. And then the audio side of things, you know, bouncing off Jordan from NZ Audio Editors and making sure the quality of the product's good and the consultancy around that's been immensely valuable. So <clears throat> I, I just wanted to share that journey um, and it's been a fucking up and hill ride, up and down ride, roller coaster. Um, but it all starts making sense. So if you're on that journey, you're just starting out, just be mindful. It takes time. Be smart with your money. Don't waste your money. Don't pretend like you got all these nice things. You got it all worked out. Share your journey honestly, and you'll be amazed the things that will come out the other side of it. So it's not finance. <coughs> it relates um, to, I guess, your lifestyle and your choices because, you know, you could have all the money in the world. If you don't have purpose, you might not be happy. Uh, and if you think this was a useful episode, like just the review um, will just help improve that trajectory. I could also share it, read it out to everyone on the podcast. Um, could get some exposure for yourself or a bit of an inside joke. Um, but I'm, I'm genuinely so thankful that you've listened and supported me over these last few years and it just doesn't it just feels like a dream that i can create a healthy lifestyle from helping people live a rewarding one themselves and it's it's cool